1: Welcome to the No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. We are championship week. Matt, how's it going? It's going really well. I
0: mean, quite the uh, quite the weekend. Now we're down to four teams, a lot of themes with these teams, great quarterback play, great offensive line play. Um, I think we're in
1: store for two really, really good matchups. Yeah, once we made it past Saturday, we've, uh, you know, that was six long games and not a lot, not a much. Intrigue, and I, you know, I was saying all week that I thought that the Seattle Atlanta game could be an A plus game, along with the two Sunday games, and it it wasn't. It wasn't very interesting. Uh, I, I, Seattle kind of blowing up was a little bit interesting. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But once we got to Sunday, it was great, and I think we're in the clear, aren't we? I mean, there should be two pretty good games.
0: I absolutely think so. You know, I, I think it's. The right to four teams, you know, you look at the Steelers and Packers, how hot they are, big-name quarterbacks. You know, I had mentioned that um, great offensive line play, and I know that's not what you asked me, but I think it's, it's not an accident that, in my opinion, when you look around the 32 teams, first of all, there's a huge offensive line shortage in the league. I very much believe that. I've been saying that for several years. There's a lot of reasons why that we can get into in the offseason. But I think that the six best offensive lines are either represented still or they're the Raiders, who it wasn't the offensive line fault that they didn't get where they could have gone, or the Cowboys, who probably had the best line in the league. So, and they were just eliminated. So all these teams that are so offensive line starved, like Minnesota and the Rams and such a long list. I think you have to be looking at this like, man, we have a lot of work to do to keep up with the front fives of these teams
1: to compete. Right, right. And, and you said uh, the, the right four teams. But if Dallas had won and they could have very easily won, yeah, there would be a right four teams as well, wouldn't they? I mean, this thing is about five teams deep, maybe 16 teams deep with a healthy Derek Carr. But this is the class right now, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's well said. And obviously Dallas and Green Bay battled
0: to a very close game. And if, they, if Dallas would have squeaked that one out or got a bounce in their, their way, they very well could have won the Super Bowl. And I don't think anyone, like you said, was – if they were traveling to – or if Atlanta was traveling to Dallas this week, I don't think any of us would be like, well, the Cowboys don't really belong. Of course they do. Yeah, they're a really strong right. team, and they should be back in a big way next year.
1: Now, usually when the number one seed loses the first round – At home, you know, I'm thinking, like, Denver against Jacksonville in 1996, the year before they won their two Super Bowls. That was just a killer. This isn't a – while it hurts and it sucks for the Cowboys and their fans, this isn't a killer because this is just the beginning for the Cowboys, isn't it? I mean, the window is just opening. And, you know, I remember in August, way back five months ago, I wrote that, hey, Maybe this window's closing for the Cowboys because of Romo and Witten, but then these two youngsters come up and blow up the league, and, and it's really just opening.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure Cowboys fans are disappointed. They thought they had a great chance to win the Super Bowl, which they did. You know, you lost in, in a nail-biter that you could have won. But, I mean, think about where they were on draft day last year. I mean, they were picking fourth overall after a disastrous season. Not sure who Romo's successor is going to be. Lots of questions on defense. And now you look at this team and think, well, they're going to pick late. <laughs> you know, they, um, they have Claiborne and Church both up for free agency in their secondary, and, you know, they're both good players, but they're not irreplaceable, and you should be able to at least keep one, I would think. You have this Romo asset that you should be able to trade for something and maybe get them off your books to some degree, so maybe you can add a free agent more than you expected to and help your pass rush or whatever, as well as dedicating a draft probably mostly to defense. And you got your quarterback probably for the next dozen years. <laughs> you know, and the, the offensive line's locked up long term. They've done a great job with that. I mean, obviously Elliott's not going anywhere for quite a while. So I would be shocked if you know, 95% of the pundits don't pick them to win their division next year. Oh, certainly, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean,
1: that's an easy one. Probably going to see a lot of Cowboy Raider picks for next year, you know? Yeah, right, right. Um, let's, uh, I want to talk about a couple more teams that went out this week before we get really into the meat of the show. Um, that's this week's action. Is, is Seattle done being a, a powerhouse and an elite team, do you think? I don't think that's true
0: at all. Yeah. Uh, I think they'll be back in a big way. Um, An off-season to, you know, they're not going to be hit real hard with free agency either. I mean, but if you look at that team for next year, I would imagine you're going to have a two-headed backfield of Rawls and ProSice, Graham, the same receivers, the same offensive line, plus a first-round pick. You know, I mean, plus something else. You know, a free agent or a first-round pick. And I know their line everyone criticizes. They don't do anything for it. But, I mean, the fetti was a first-round pick. And the guys that are playing are all young. You would think that even if you don't add anybody, they'll be a year older, a year better than they've been. And maybe they get to mediocre up front. You know, Russell Wilson was injured a lot this year, too. I right. mean, what's a chance? I mean, at least he'll start the season healthier, you would think. Um, and then the defense doesn't really lose anything. I mean, there's no free agents of note to that group. You get Earl back, and you probably use another pick somewhere on somebody, you know? So uh, I don't look at guys like Bennett, Russell Wilson, Averell Wagner as declining players at all. I mean, I have no reason to think that their studs won't be
1: studs. Right, right. <clears throat> that's how I see it, too. The one thing that concerns me, and I don't know if that's a big thing to you, is that they seem to be losing their composure a little bit too much, whether it's in press conferences or after games, on the field, you know, they, they seem to, to they seem to get pissy pretty quickly. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it happens after losses. So I guess it's something that may need to be addressed. Maybe. And, I mean, did,
0: did that happen when they were going to Super Bowls? And I mean, they ended up being a final team this year. I mean, they're, they're, their standard is obviously extremely high. Um, Certainly. Yeah, I mean, this isn't exactly what you were saying, but – they are losing on the road a lot more, you know, I mean, the, yeah. their game doesn't travel as well as it used to, and the line may have something to do with that. Um, but I hear you. You know, I mean, they, are,
1: they do have some brash dudes, that's without question. Right, right. Last team that I want to talk about that went out this week is Kansas City. Are, are they kind of a in-between a rock and a hard-place team? Are they like an 11-5 ceiling team? Just good enough to get to this point. Yeah, they are. I mean,
0: it's that old adage. You know, I mean, kind of like when Matt Schaub was at his best. You know, that would you rather be terrible at the quarterback position or slightly below average with a veteran that you're not going to replace? You know, because then you're just stuck with this guy. I mean, maybe Andy Dalton's a little bit better than that. Maybe Kirk Cousins is a little bit better than that but Schaub at his best, or there's many examples of, is quarterback really a need for the Chiefs? No, but the guy they have, I mean, I think he needs like a, a 2015 um, Broncos defense to get to where he needs to be. And There's more around him on the offensive side of the ball and special teams than they've had, and they still couldn't beat a team that didn't score a touchdown. I mean... Yeah, he can win games, and he's had good games in the playoffs, and he has positive attributes. But look who's look who's still playing. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is the worst quarterback left in the postseason. He <laughs> I mean, he's going to the Hall of Fame, and right. I mean, yeah, you can do it like Denver did, but it's awful difficult.
1: Right. Um, say say there was a fumble there, and as, as as Pittsburgh was running out the clock there and they kick a field goal and they win, 19-18. Would we be saying right now, could Kansas City beat New England? Would there there be a chance, or is Pittsburgh so much better suited for for New England? I ask that because it could have happened. I mean, they only won by two points.
0: Yeah, and i got to say, I mean, before that game, I thought that Pittsburgh and the Chiefs both had an equal chance of knocking off New England, that – yeah, I'm probably gonna pick New England. They're probably a five, six, seven point underdog in New England, but it's you know either one of these teams wins in convincing fashion over another quality team, the Steelers or Chiefs. They could go into New England and cause big plays and be the difficult, a really difficult game for a Patriots team that I think is far from perfect. You know, just because. I mean, obviously Brady and Belichick deserve this, and they win the division every year, and they're a super, and they're a super organization. But I look at that team and think, yes, yeah, certainly they could win the Super
1: Bowl, but I don't know that they're heads above anybody else. And if they do win the Super Bowl, this isn't going to be one of, their, one of Belichick's best-ever teams, I don't think. Which couldn't lead to being his best-ever coaching job. But right, yeah. certainly. You know, and yeah, we saw right that there. from the what... start of the season when he, you know, when he went 3-0 without Brady and all the injuries. Right, and they didn't have a first round pick and you know I mean just things like that. Yeah, that were sure be right. really nice to have. Right, right. Wanna talk a little bit about breaking news and there's not much really but the 49ers job is the only one open and, and Josh McDaniels said thanks but no, I'm not not as interested. A missed reports that he was the favorite. And now it's either gonna be Kyle Shanahan and he could pull he could easily pull McDaniels too and say, you know what? there's only one job left, I'm not loving it, they don't have a quarterback, they don't have a roster, there's been some dysfunction in the front office, maybe I'll wait. And if he says that, he's only 37, he can easily say that because he'll be hot too after another year of Matt Ryan. Then it's probably Tom Cable. I mean, the 49ers really have to hope they get Shanahan, don't they? I would think, you know, I mean, but do you take that job
0: as your Shanahan?
1: No, I, I think no, it was the worst job either, available. Right. And, and when they're saying, God, they're either going to get Shanahan or McGannels or fall, the, Raiders, the 49ers are falling into something here. I'd stay far away from it, especially, he's 37. One side of the coin is, well, he can afford to screw up his first job, but who wants to screw up any job? You know what I mean? Right, you
0: don't go in there thinking, boy, I'll screw it up and I'll be fine.
1: Yeah, and, and McDaniel's couldn't because of what happened in Denver. But, yeah, I don't know. I just think that is a dead end place. Um, I'd rather the Browns. Speaking of the, what's that? I'd rather the Browns' job. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of the 49ers, uh, Chip Kelly, the former head coach, of course, interviewed to be the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville. I don't know if we're going to spend a lot of time on offensive coordinator hires this year, but the Chip Kelly Bortles marriage, potential marriage, Does that fascinate you at all? Is that something that could be good, or is that could be a really bad fit, you think?
0: See, I think Kelly is a pretty good coach in terms of coaching up offense. Even as a head coach, I can't complain about him too much. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to win with that team he had last year in San Francisco. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think the first thought of a Kelly offense is, we need Michael Vick, or, you know, we need some superstar athlete quarterback. And he really hasn't stressed that in his quarterback acquisitions or how he's gone about it. And Bortles is a better runner than you think. You know, I mean, he can run with the football, he can run some read option, but it's not what he does best. But a big key to the Kelly quarterback situation is short or quick, decisive, Decisions at the line of scrimmage. You know, like, boom, get it out, hurry up, you know, let's be really sharp mentally, go on the next play, boom, boom, boom. Bortles doesn't seem like that guy to me right now. (laughs) And and not that he's dumb or doesn't process information, but he certainly doesn't seem like a quick twitch twitch thinker um, for that kind of thing. I mean, their offensive line would probably need a little work, and it doesn't matter who the offensive coordinator is. Would he be in the market for, you know, and I keep saying if I'm the Jags, no matter who they hire, I can't go into next year and just say, Blake, you're my guy. I mean, I'm bringing in somebody, a first-round pick, a third-round pick, a veteran of some sort, Mike Glennon, You know, would Chip say, I'm going to bring Kaepernick with me and open the job up? I, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting, but I can't say, boy, that's a great fit. Right.
1: Right. Yeah, it didn't really strike me as a great fit either, Um but hey, let's get into uh, the meat and potatoes the kind of the of show, show. I'm just, sorry. Does, does it kind of shock you
0: that Coughlin would be interested in Kelly? Like that, they don't seem like the same philosophy
1: on the game. Yeah, I saw some things though where he offered uh, Kelly a job before he even took the Oregon job. You know, when he was coach of the Giants and Kelly was like four and one against him. Um, like, you know, when he was with the Eagles. So I guess there was some respect there. But yeah. It, it, it seems like an odd fit to me, and hell, there there's a report that he even interviewed for the head coaching job before Marone got it. So, I mean, obviously, there's some interest there.
0: Yeah, I mean, and maybe that's the key is they like this guy so much. Maybe we were going to hire him as an offense coordinator, um, and I could see that. You know, I think it's easy to uh, to say Kelly's not that uh, not that likable and we don't like how he finished his tenure with Philly, but he won 10 games there the first two years. Or, boy, the, the, this offense he installed isn't the NFL's too good for it. He can't get away with it. I don't know that that's true either. And then I right. also think maybe Jacksonville also doesn't know what they're talking about either.
1: <laughs> it's not like they're I the know, most, I mean, Yeah. There's some evidence there that could be a, a situation. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk – what game are you looking for? What, what do you think is going to be the juiciest game?
0: Well, I mean, I think NFC is whoever has the ball last wins. I mean, I don't think the Falcons can stop Rodgers, and I really don't think that the Packers secondary can stop Ryan slash that running game. Um, If one of these games were to be a blowout, I would think it's the AFC. You know, just New England at home, maybe they win by 20. I don't think that's going to happen. I think both are going to be really close. Both are going to be really juicy. Um, you know, the, his, the kind of the history in the AFC, though, I think is is interesting just because these franchises have won so many games. I mean, I, I read today that, and I live in Pittsburgh, I didn't even know this, I mean, this is the 16th time that the Steelers have been to the AFC championship game. I mean, that's unbelievable. I mean, it's so many. And you look at the history. Win you know, every three year, years, basically. Yeah, right. You know, they go to their final four team. Um, yeah. You, you know, you, in. You look at who's represented the AFC over the last like 15 or 16 years. It's Ben Brady or Manning. Every uh, basically every Super Bowl except for Gannon and Flacco, and that's really going right. back a ways, you know. So, right. and what's interesting is Ben and Brady have only battled once in that whole time in the playoffs. They've only had one game against each other, which is mind-boggling. And every time the Steelers yeah, won the playoffs, it, they, yeah you know. And every time the Steelers have won the Super Bowl, you know, post Knoll is um, they didn't have to play the Patriots. They avoided the Patriots somehow. So it, that whole history, I think, is really interesting. And in the end, I mean, the Patriots have had the Steelers' number in a big way.
1: I mean, but – and I know they beat been pretty easy this – right. And then this year they won without Ben wasn't in the game, and, 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 and Pittsburgh was banged up. I mean, just a simple question, but – does Pittsburgh needs to play perfectly. I know they have to, They can't count on six field goals. They're going to have to get the end zone. I mean, they're going to have to play perfectly. Yeah, I think so. You know, and I feel especially an like offense, true. right? Because you, you just got to score the points against these guys.
0: Yeah. I, see, I think the Steelers, as the top teams go, are about as well-rounded as any of them. You know that they're. I agree. They're not bad on special teams. I think their defense is getting better. You already know the offense is pretty potent. But I think what your statement is would go for anyone. You know, is if it was Atlanta by chance or Dallas or Green Bay or Kansas City that were traveling to New England for the AFC championship game, evening game, you almost have to be perfect. You know, they don't lose there. They're not going to make the big mistake. But I wasn't super impressed with their win over Houston. I didn't think Brady played all that well. Um, like I but said, maybe I that, that was just a you know, a I, little I, bit I, on both I, sides of the ball. So, I, 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 but yeah. you're right. I mean, are they going to make the big mistake and beat themselves?
1: Certainly not. And, and as I was watching that Houston game, and that game was much more intriguing than I thought it was, and they still won by 18. And they still won I was thinking, <laughs> this is, this is, the, they're getting the cobwebs out. They're not going to, this is not going to be the Patriots the rest of the way. If they get beat, it's not going to be because they're like this. I think they are just a little cobwebby, and I, and I think the Houston defense was pretty stout. No doubt, and uh, one of the best defenses
0: in the league, sure, and, and definitely a difficult matchup. And they did what we thought they would do, and they got some pressure on Brady, especially from the interior with Whitney Merciless and Clowney, and their corners could bang those guys around and force Brady to hold the ball a little longer. But then they kind of adapted to and you know held the ball longer on purpose, start throwing deeper hitting routes and. Um, but it's hard to ignore the Osweiler factor. He was so bad. I mean, he made a throw or two. Fuller dropped the one he should have caught. But I mean, Osweiler was an embarrassment.
1: Well, yeah, and, and he's that their problem that he's just who he is, you know. Right. Um, they're they're kind of the Chiefs to to an extent. 'cause the Chiefs window may be eleven wins, and the titans win the Texans window may be nine wins, you know, but it's kind of similar situations um yeah, but
0: they have a much better chance of moving on from their guy than Kansas City does, yeah you know, like maybe they go for somebody else or use the first round pick on a quarterback where Kansas City's probably got their guy until he retires,
1: yeah interesting, hey. I was thinking as you were talking, I, I, does Pittsburgh have the best defense left in this thing? New England's
0: it's certainly not the NFC. I mean, I think Atlanta's is certainly the worst. And I know their numbers have been better late in the year, but they played some bad teams. It's not Green Bay's. Their secondary is bad. It's one of the two AFC teams. You know, like, New England's doesn't wow you. It's not like it's star-studded. But Butler and McCordy and Hightower, I mean, those guys are high-quality players. Um, they, they led the league in points allowed, you know, by a wide margin. Although, you know, I'm a big fan of football outsiders, and they had some really good points on that too, saying, yeah, they allowed the fewest points in the league, but they—you know Brady never turned the ball over. The defense was never put in bad starting field position, you know, situations, hardly at all, all year. And if you look at the slate of offenses
1: they faced, it's pathetically bad. I mean, it's really a bad group. So yeah, they're, they're, I don't think I saw a, a tweet where they put their last eight quarterbacks they've played have been pretty underwhelming cool. to say the least. Yeah, right, right, right.
0: And so I don't think they're an elite defense, but I think it's a coin flip. You know, back to your original question, who is the best defense left in the in the in the playoffs? I, I think it's a coin flip. You know, in Pittsburgh has gotten a lot better. I mean all those young guys are playing really well, and
1: the old man's playing really well yeah, yeah, definitely. um talk about james Harrison a little bit. i mean he's hes been, he's a, he's fascinating isn't he? I mean, he's thirty eight we thought he was done three years ago. he goes to a division rival comes back and i some people think he's the most dominant defensive player in the the bit, in the playoffs left as far as the way he's performing right now.
0: I think he is. You know, I think what the if, the if the question is what remaining defensive player is playing the best football right now?
1: I think Harrison's probably right at the top of the list. And you know Malcolm Clay really Matthews, does. I know he got burnt, you know he got made look like a fool last week on that one play by Zeke, but he's been playing pretty well, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, he's had a really rough year though. You know, he's been up and down and injured. I don't think he's the force that we're used to him being um, you know, Mike Daniels is a really underrated defensive tackle. That's a really good player. Um, but, you know, Dante Hightower's a good player. But Harrison's been great. And, you know, Nate Solder's played pretty well, the left tackle for New England. But he's 6'7", six, 6'8", six, you know, kind of a tall, slender, tight end body type. And those are the type of guys that Harrison crushes. You know, he's so low and so powerful. You know, he's like trying to block a bowling ball coming off the edge at 100 miles an hour and it's really hard for those tall guys to get low against him. I could see him really being menacing. Wow. That'd that'd be something. That'd
1: be something. Um, You're working
0: on some kind of article about where he is
1: Steelers' all-time list, right? Yeah, yeah. Just kind of, and, you know, you helped me out on that and I I don't want to, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be hard to do because I don't want to overstate it. I don't want him to put him ahead of any Hall of Famers. I don't want to understate too. it either, you know. I mean, do you think he's a Hall of Fame guy?
0: I think he's a real borderline one.
1: You know, I mean, yeah, I think He, he could, he won he could help himself he... out in the next couple weeks, couldn't he?
0: Yeah, right. You know, and you can't forget the play he made against them. I know mean, was only one play, but we know that goes a long way for Hall of Fame is the play he made against Arizona at the end of the half in the Super Bowl. I mean, he's one defensive player of the year. He's been an integral part of great defenses, certainly has longevity on his side. Pretty sure he's the Steelers' all time sack leader. You know, this isn't, you know, it's a pretty good defensive history in Pittsburgh. Right. You know, and you were talking to me about some of the guys, you know, where's he ranked on the Steeler list? And, I mean, he's certainly in the top 10, and there's Hall of Famers everywhere
1: on that defense, you know, in yeah. the history of that team on defense. Right. Um, is this weekend going to be sort of like Sunday, a bunch of points in the NFC, and maybe. 20-point, and it was 18-1 on, on Sunday night, but maybe more like, is it going to be more like 38-35 in, in the early game and 24-20 in, in the late game? I don't know what to make of the AFC yet, and
0: maybe if we had this conversation on Friday, I'd have a clearer picture. You know, I mean, one one negative thing about our, our podcast is we do it on Tuesday afternoon, and my mind is still thinking what happened as opposed to what's going to happen, mm-hmm. but I have no doubt in my mind that the NFC is a shootout. I mean, a massive shootout. Um, and I keep saying, whoever has the ball last is going to win. You know, it's thirty points Rogers isn't going to get it, the best offense in the league. What's that? I'm sorry. Thirty points isn't going to get it done, is it? I mean, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, I really think it's the best player on the planet against the best offense on the planet, <laughs> and can can Superman defeat the, you know, a whole bundle of other superheroes? You know, and he might. Um, Where the other side, I'm just not sure yet. You know, like I wrote an article that kind of looking at it through Steelers' eyes, what do you do? I mean, I think you got to hit Brady. But, you know, on the offense side of the ball, you need to run the ball and you need to kind of keep him off the field a little bit. But the Patriots' run defense is better than their pass defense. Butler matches up pretty well on Brown. You know, I don't think the Steelers drop 30 on New England, and I'm you know, so I don't have a great feel for that one yet. I don't know that either team's a bad matchup for the other one either. You know that, um, you know, I don't know that the Steelers' corners are going to be able to play a lot of press man like and disrupt them. They're more of a zone team, a heavy zone team. But I do think they rush the passer well. I think Brady will get some hit, will get hit. I don't think you know the New England's going to run all over the Steelers. No Gronk. I mean, I don't think you can ever stop him. Forget about that. I mean, if Gronk right. is
1: healthy, they're the best team in the league by far. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think you're right. Patriots probably don't get enough credit for moving on as well as they have without him either. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, we mentioned what ten fifteen minutes ago that.
0: They won without Brady. They won a game with Brissett. They were winning without Garoppolo. Didn't have a first-round pick. Traded Chandler Jones. Traded Jamie Collins. You know, these guys are Pro Bowl guys. But the best guy out there, you know, their most important non-Brady player
1: isn't available. Yeah, I mean, and then we talked about the Seahawks and Earl Thomas. They kind of fell off, you know, they, they, they were not the Seahawks after Earl Thomas got hurt. The Patriots, no doubt. They're still the Patriots without Gronk. And, and, you know, I think they're two typical similar values to their franchises. So that's just another feather in Belichick's cap, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. And to take it even further, not that I'm saying they would have won the Super Bowl, but imagine what the playoffs would have been like if we entered the playoffs with a healthy. Not even David Carr, because I'm talking about potential Hall of Famers here, like J.J. J. Watt, Earl Thomas, Rob Gronkowski. You know, those yeah. guys are Hall of Fame, best in the business at their position. I mean, you're not going to convince me there's a better defensive lineman or tight end or safety on the planet than those three. They've done it year after year. Um, you know, I mean, that Texans defense might be by far the best in the league, and they're winning games 10-7 with Watt.
1: Yeah, they they did actually deserve credit credit as well, I was thinking about, you know, Houston, they, they, they maneuvered well without him as well. So, you know, it's just, uh, but back to the Gronk thing, yeah, I mean, Patriots, Patriots just keep on being the Patriots. Um, going to the NFC a little bit, that Aaron Rodgers pass to Cook was just, I mean, say a word, stupid, I mean, you know, ridiculous, I mean, it was unreal.
0: It's unreal, and I don't know if he caught it. And I just did. I heard it today for the first time. I guess in his post game, you know, news conference or whatever, they asked him, "Is that the best throw you ever made?" And and he didn't even hesitate. He's like, "No," <laughs> like, and you know, and he's right. You know, I'm sure his highlight tape. He's got 20 of them that are better. Where every other quarterback in the co- in the world would been like, "Oh yeah, I can't believe it made that throw,"
1: <laughs> and it just says volumes about the guy. Yeah, and and I. And I really think as he's rolling out and he's about to throw that ball, he's not thinking, oh, my God, I, this got to be perfect. He's thinking, I'm just making this play. If this is just an average throw for me. See, I think that's a great point by you, and I think that's one of the things
0: that separates him. And, and to the opposite degree, I think that's one of the things that really makes me crazy about Alex Smith is he leaves – there's so many throws. See, to me, the average fan doesn't realize this, and you have to watch coaches tape to see it from both of them. But Alex Smith, for example, and I'm not comparing Smith to Rogers or a draft together. It's just coincidence. It well, the so 49ers
1: did 12 years ago, so it's okay that you do it now.
0: <laughs> I did. I was in the Browns war room for it. I had a on both of them too. Um, I liked Rogers better, by the way. So did actually the whole brown staff. But anyways, um, you look at Smith and you're like, throw it, throw it. You know, then he checks down. You know, like so people that get on me because Williamson, you hate Smith. you should be. He's better than that. Look at his numbers. But you, the, the thing that people don't realize is all the throws he doesn't make. He doesn't even attempt because he's scared or he's coached not to or it's not in his DNA or he doesn't think he can make them. And to me, that drives me crazy if, if, if that's my guy. You know, the, hold the ball a split second longer and release it because this guy's going to break open instead of just settling all the time. Where Rodgers, not only does he doesn't turn the ball over, but he makes – Five throws a game
1: that ninety percent of the NFL quarterbacks wouldn't even attempt,
0: right? You know, let alone
1: Smith. And but and then you put the circumstances, you know, third down and what the twenty, <laughs> right. and, and and they're on the thirty and there's twelve seconds left, and it was unreal. Like, why would yeah? Why would you even attempt that? But it was average to him, right?
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Is he has. Extreme confidence in who he is and um, his demeanor, and plays the game in a different way, and obviously is obscenely gifted. And um, I wrote an article about him yesterday, and I didn't even realize this. That, and I'm not a huge believer in passer rating. You know, it's been a historic stat, and you know, it, it to me it doesn't tell that much of a story. But he is by four points, which is a massive margin the he's like at 104 he has like the best i think he's at 107 and russell wilson's at 103 something along those lines but anyways he has the best passer rating in nfl history career-wise by a huge margin and whatever he's at now you know for his career over the last eight or nine games their their winning streak He's like ten points even higher than that. I mean, his his passer rating is at like one eighteen or something insane. And wow. yeah, you can believe in passer rating or not, but to be so much better than the bar you set that was already hit so high is unbelievable. You know, and yeah. I think even Troy Aikman before the games, like, I've never seen a quarterback play better. <laughs> He's right. And
1: three months ago, people were burying him
0: day stinks. What's wrong with him? He's you know what's the problem, and he wasn't playing well, and he is a bit of a out of structure creator, and he can get a little wild at times, and you know not run the plays, but I mean his supporting cast isn't that great either. You know, we all love Jordy Nelson. I don't think he's a special player. I mean, if he's on a Rams, he has 600 yards this year. You you know, I mean he's okay, and, and he's not the same player post injury. And Adams is all right, and Cobb's okay. Cook's really important, but their receivers are bloated by Aaron Rodgers, and their protection's really good, but he also makes that easier, too. He buys so much time. I mean, their offense is good. You know, if Jared Goff were on the, on the Packers, it would be a lot better situation for him, obviously. But it's not like a Super Bowl, you know, supporting cast for the guy.
1: Right, And he doesn't have a great defense, either. No, not at all. And the secondary's a nightmare. So, I mean... Kind of, I mean, I, I don't know how we compare it, but sort of like those first couple of Elway Super Bowl teams, where it was him and everybody else? I don't know if it's quite to that extreme, but I don't. This guy is carrying that franchise.
0: I think it's a pretty good comparison because, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, people have always asked me. I'm sure you've been asked this a million times too. You know, who's the best ever? Is it Brady? Is it Manning? Is it Joe? You know. And the guy I always oh, go back the Saturday
1: to, night, in fact. I said Elway.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always go back to, if I lined them all up, I don't know that I could pass on Elway. And everyone's yeah. like, well, he you know, he lost all those Super Bowls. I'm like, well, tell me, name four guys that were on that Broncos team that he took to the Super Bowl <laughs> several times. Don't tell me the three amigos. You don't even know who they are. <laughs> you know, I mean, okay. it's not like he had anything around him. And when he when he won with Davis, he wasn't quite the player he is, you know, in his prime. I mean, to me, he's like the perfect number of, first overall pick, perfect prospect, and lived up to all that. And that's no knock on Brady or Montana or anybody. But if you line up all those guys, and I'm out back at the, in the in the parking lot, and I got to pick up a team, I don't know how I pass on Elway or Rogers.
1: Yeah, I, I think I, I think that's perfectly said, and. When we were having this conversation the other night, and our hands weren't empty, you know, just kind of yeah. buddies hanging out, I said, whoever whoever says whatever, nobody's necessarily wrong. I mean, you know, it's... No, I would live with Tom Brady a, or, you know, Troy. Ager, yeah, for that it's, matter, it's right. pizza toppings, right? I mean, sure. there's probably eight good choices, you know, over the years.
0: No and, yeah. I mean, Montana's and Brady are pretty hard to argue against.
1: Right. Yeah. We, we can do this in the offseason. That'd be a good one in the offseason. Um, but did, that's how good Aaron Rodgers is playing, that we're talking about him being the best ever. And Tom Brady's playing this week, too, and he's the a, a best ever. Um, I know and we Ryan's don't really talk about... What's that? And Ryan's going to be the MVP, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Big Ben, maybe he wins it all. You know, the other guy's a two-time Super Bowl winner. Yeah, he's going to the Hall of Fame too. And yeah. Yeah, I was on the radio here in Pittsburgh
0: yesterday, and I said something like, you know, they, they, someone asked, you know, what's the Steelers' weakness, you know, to win the Super Bowl at this point? And I said, Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> you know, I mean, compared to the guys he's got to play against, and how he's played, and how he's played on the road, you can look at the Steelers' team and think the thing that might worry me the most is the quarterback. And still but is that good. a good thing? Is that a good thing? Because does he kinda of really worry you?
1: If that's your worst thing, you're pretty good. Yeah. I mean, as, as the wheels fall, should they think about getting themselves a new quarterback for, you know, not next year but the following year? Is it, is it getting to that point?
0: I don't know about that, but I do think that you look at the Rivers-Eli-Ben class, and you could start to old. see chinks. You know, these guys, yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of us just think, oh, he's got three more years. You know, yeah. Peyton played till he's 40. R- Brady's still fine. Yeah, but they're not normal. <laughs> you know, I mean, that class is old. And to me, Eli looked old. And as much as Roethlisberger's been hurt and hit over his career, and Eli's never missed a game, you know, that I'm sure their bodies hurt like crazy, you know, that – it, Ben's not as accurate, and I think it's because he's got so many lower body injuries and ailments and things that he just doesn't deliver the ball as crisply as he used to because things don't work. Right. And he might be great next year, but, you know, it's a long season. He's been beat up, as usual. And and the other thing people don't know is, I mean, he gets hit pretty much less than anybody anymore. You know, he got hit twice, I think, against Kansas City. I mean, his line's phenomenal.
1: And Kansas City, you know, has some good individual pass rushes. Yeah, yeah. I, we don't talk about nonsense much on this show, but and, and the t- Antonio Brown Facebook Live thing is definitely qualifies as nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Um. But Mike Tomlin, I don't know if you saw the press conference today, but he handled it great. Just like he handled the Bradshaw criticism, great in his press conference. I mean. Once we get to Sunday, this is not going to be an issue, right? I mean, this is not going to be a distraction during the game. I I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I mean, I would imagine Belichick's
0: using it as billboard material, but, I mean, it's the AFC championship game. I mean, I don't think anybody needs extra motivation to play a little harder. or You know, I mean, it would shock me, but it's a stupid thing to do. And I know people, you know, I mean, like I said, I work for Steelers Radio Network here. And people that are close to the team that are down there a lot, I mean, they say he's a distracting guy, you know, and they don't talk about him the same way they do Odell. But, you know, because he's so good he gets away with a little bit and you know, he's he refuses not to dance after ends you know, after scoring touchdowns, even though it's gonna be a flag and it's just something you live with. I mean if he was a lesser player it would be more of a problem, but he's really good so you live with it and
1: even though he can be a pain in the butt. Right, and, you know, Tomlin I mean, said today, and this is right before the AFC title game, you know, look at it. You know, guys who continue to do do these type of things, they can be great players, but sometimes you see great players go from team to team to team, and it would be a shame if he's one of those guys. And like a T.O. that's a wow right. comment. Right, right. They're yeah, pissed I mean,
0: See, I don't know that he's, like, unlikable or a bad guy or doing drop or beating up women or, you know, doing anything terrible. It's just distracting and, you know, foolish and selfish and self-promoting. You know, but the other thing I know about him from being down there, every practice by a wide margin he's the last guy off the field. You know, he's the hardest working dude there. You know, like where some receivers have that diva, you know, just throw me the ball, I don't need to work hard. You know, he's not that at all.
1: Right. I mean, that was the thing with Randy Moss. He was the first guy to leave.
0: Every day,
1: yeah, and and you know I'm not saying Randy Moss didn't work hard, but Randy Moss had a, a diva attitude, and, and and he certainly was a distraction at times, and first guy to leave, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I think guys that that don't do that it 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 curries favors with their teammates, and it maybe buys you a little extra, you know, equity if you do screw up once in a while. Yeah, I mean, he was a later round
0: pick and sort of a self made guy, and didn't end up high on the depth chart when he came out of school and had to fight and go ahead the dudes that were here, and you know. So, I mean, I, I think he's very dedicated to being a great player and winning the Super Bowl. And but he's also immature, as many of these guys are.
1: Right, right. Last part of the show. Last question. What? And it may be hard. What's the Best matchup you're looking for? It could be players, two players. It could be two units. I mean, Butler versus Brown
0: certainly comes to mind. You know, yeah, pizza commercial. You know, these guys falling all over each other. You know, I think that's a really good one. I mentioned Harrison versus Solder. That's interesting to me. Deion Lewis against Steeler linebackers is interesting to me in the passing game, as is Le'Veon Bell versus um, Patriot linebackers in the passing game. I don't know what you do about Julio. I mean, that's not an individual matchup. It's just we have really bad corners that are injured and young and not playing well, and Julio just beat up on Richard Sherman, and now he's going to get Gunter. (laughs) You know, like, if his foot is okay i don't know what on earth you do to slow him down um i guess that's it i mean Vic Beasley's an interesting one too you know that, that their yeah. edge protection's really good and sacking Rodgers is difficult anyways that he's going to have to play great and i like him as a player and i respect that he's the sack leader but i could come up with 10 better pass rushers than Vic Beasley right now
1: yeah you know from listening to you talk for the last 45 minutes it, it seems like what we should maybe expect is just a, you know wild wild west game in the NFC just offense score, and then just a really intriguing football game in the night game. Yeah, uh, maybe you know maybe it's a uh, uh, more of nothing's wrong with those. either. I mean, I'm not I'm not
0: complaining about the NFC part. You know, not at all. No, right? They both could be really fun. And yeah, yeah I, I guess so. You know, the you
1: know,
0: who's going to all the tactical changes and. You know, how how do the Steelers adjust in the second half and all those things. And I really like both of the Pittsburgh's coordinators. But if it does come down to that, you got to like Belichick.
1: Uh, always, the, uh, always the equalizer, you uh, yeah. know. Yeah, or more than the equalizer. Great. He's the over-the-top guy, yeah. Right, right. Well, hey, great show, Matt. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the No Relation NFL Podcast. We'll be back next week to break down those two what should be great games and get ready for our Super Bowl coverage rolling. So, Matt, appreciate it. Have fun. Enjoy the week. You too, man. It was fun. We'll talk soon. All right, cool, man. Thank you. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just
0: about anywhere.